Equipping speakers to make an impact. It's the Key 5 Podcast. For speakers, by speakers. With your host, Robert Ferguson. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast. For speakers, by speakers. For show notes, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Donna Cutting, the founder and CEO of Red Carpet Learning Systems, where she leads a team of customer service experts that train organizational leaders to turn prospects into delighted customers and delighted customers into raving fans. She's also the author of the book, 501 Ways to Roll Out the Red Carpet for Customers. Let's get started. So Donna, in one sentence, tell us what you speak about. Absolutely. So I speak about how to engage your team members to deliver a red carpet experience for your customers. Well, I love the word engage. That's a great one. <laughs> and, and succinct. So thank you. And tell us, how did you end up in the business of being a speaker? Gosh, well, you know, I have a background in theater and, uh, and then in about, at about 1997, 1998, I was working in a senior living organization and we had some great success with um, improving employee morale. And at that time, I'm not even sure the word engagement was a buzzword, but Um, improving employee retention where I worked and I was heavily involved in that. So I just started giving little speeches about that topic and someone asked me, um, hey, how much would you charge to come to my company and talk about it? And that was the first time uh, I had an inkling that someone would actually pay me to do this. <laughs> and so it, it sort of just became a natural, uh, a, um, a natural melding between my, you know, theater expertise and then the the expertise such as it was at the time that I had on uh, on boosting employee morale. And then around the same time, I found uh, Dottie Walter's book, uh, A Legend in the Speaking World from many years ago. Uh, it was called Speak and Grow Rich. So that's when I started learning about the business of speaking and got introduced to the National Speakers Association. And, and it all started from there. Fabulous. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, I, I often, if we look back, it's like, boy, if I could go back in time and take what I know today. So what, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first got started as a speaker? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, there's some, some things that I think if I knew them, I think I would have been a little more cautious. So I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not sure it would have, hindsight would have been good. But I, you know, I think it really is that it's, it, it's uh, it's a it's a wonderful way to make a living. It's an ever changing way to make a living, and it's not as easy sometimes as people as I think sometimes the perception is, you know. And um, and so it really does take a lot of work. It takes. It's not just. It is certainly about giving an exceptional presentation and really developing your expertise. But at the same time, you have to develop the whole, uh, a whole other sides of you. You have to become a salesperson. You have to learn about marketing. You have to learn about financial management, and you know, eventually, you have to learn how to hire staff. So it's it's much more. Uh, there's much more of, of business ownership and sales 
person um, ship involved in developing your business as a speaker, as a professional speaker? I appreciate you saying that it is very much the business and maybe naivety is a good way to get started so we don't know all the pitfalls. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's an important learning and, and if you lose the passion of why it's fun, then then the pitfalls can really pull you apart. But I I, uh, I think as long as we see it's exciting. And one of the exciting things that I enjoy, and I think many speakers, is telling stories. Mm-hmm. How do you develop a, a key story that you may use across multiple presentations? You know, it's funny because I think when I think of the one of the key signature stories that that I use now is just really started as just an anecdote uh, that I happen to mention in a couple of presentations or to a couple of clients that my mother had rolled out a red carpet for my grandparents uh, when they came back from a trip to Rome. And it, it started as just an anecdote that people responded to. And so, you know, that's what caused me to go, oh, wow, there's something here and really start thinking about, well, what was that like for me? How did it, you know, how did what was the emotional element of that? What were some of the details? How can I fill some of those details in? How does it relate uh, not only to, you know, a story that was about me and, and my experiences, but how does it relate to what I'm trying to teach this audience? And so I think a lot of the stories that I tell now started out that way. And it really is kind of seeing, you know, what people respond to. Um, I think personal stories are so important um, that you're not just, you know, taking something that you read in a book or you heard another speaker say, because that's their material, but that you really work to develop your own material. And the best place to, to uh, start is your own life. And then the second piece is, how does that story that comes from your own life relate to or how is it going to help this audience learn something? So that's really there's two important uh, key components there. Yes, and I love the word relating to the audience. Uh, When we look at sort of, you know, you probably speak to different types of audiences on different topics. What do you do, Donna, to, I guess, adapt the story or to ensure your presentation will be relevant to this audience you're going to be talking to next? Oh, so, uh, so research, a lot of research. And as a matter of fact, I've been doing that today. So I'm right now getting ready to speak to a group of country club managers. And that's a a new world for me. So I'm spending a lot of time speaking on the phone with, um, with country club managers, with uh, people who are members of country clubs, um, doing online research, uh, you know, even looking at their websites and really going deep to kind of learn uh, what their challenges are. I'm always looking for what is it that they know that they're already doing and then what is the gap in that knowledge that I can help fill in my presentation. Um, But I've even gone as far as uh, actually going on site and doing some research. If it's a new industry, 
So I, my favorite story to tell is I was speaking to a group of beer distributors and, um, and it was mostly men. It was my first almost all male audience. It was a woman that is sometimes kind of intimidating. And, um, and I actually gave them like a free day where I just rode around on the beer truck with one of the delivery guys to kind of really experience what his day was like. And that won them over, you know, just the fact that I was willing to do that and that I could tell stories about my day with this guy on the truck, um, really won them over. Uh, we're, we're talking to a zoo right now. And so, you know, I wouldn't do this for every zoo thereafter, but the first one that we speak to, um, for that audience, you know, I'm going to spend time at that zoo watching their chats, uh, watching their zookeeper chats, experiencing what it's like to be a guest at that zoo. The more you can get into their world and the more research you do, um, the more that will come out on the platform and they're going to appreciate you for it. Otherwise, there's a disconnect. Absolutely. I really like the, the term you used, gap, trying to find the gap uh, as, as in going on the road <laughs> or into the zoo. I, I appreciate that. But, you know, what you're trying to find is the gap. It almost feels like you're waiting to, until you find that aha moment of this is how I'm going to relate to these folks. Yes, that's exactly it. It's, so I want stories that are going to relate to them. And then I'm also looking for what is it that they need to learn? You know, what what is it that I can offer that they need to learn? Because every audience is different. I mean, we, um, you know, just thinking of country club managers, and then I have a big niche market in senior living. So senior living, like I'm teaching them what hospitality does, you know? And so going into the hospitality field, I need to know, okay, well, what is it? We know what they do. What is it that they don't know? Because what I'm teaching this other audience may not be the right fit for this particular audience. So you really got to do your research, got to do your homework. Absolutely. So, you know, we're in the business as professional speakers making a living out of this. Do you ever speak for free or recommend it to other speakers? And if so, why and when? Yeah, it's, well, that answer has changed over the years and it's changed for me because I'm not only a speaker. So I started out as a professional speaker um, and, and I don't, I don't mean not only a speaker as though that's a bad thing, but I mean, I started out where that was my main revenue stream was speaking. And then as my com as the books were written and as my company grew, I now have a training company as well. And we go deep into organizations in ways that we never did in the very beginning. And so now I am more likely to strategically speak for free if, and only if there are potential buyers of our training programs in the audience. Okay. So, you know, that's usually large associations where the keynote speakers are typically going to be celebrities. And so I wouldn't, you know, necessarily have a paid slot there anyway. Um, but it's worth my while to fill out that proposal and be a concurrent session speaker because it gets me in front of buyers. That makes sense. Wonderful. Well, as we wrap up here, Donna, any uh, secret tips or tricks you could share about speaking with our listeners? Yeah, a couple. Well, and speaking particularly, or the business of speaking. Both. Both. Okay. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say just ask.
add on to what I just said about speaking for free. I think if you're a new speaker, you should you should find those opportunities to speak for free so you can get better at it. You know, the more you speak, the better you're going to get as a speaker. And so, right. um, obviously, you don't want to do that places where someone else is getting paid. But um, local chapter meetings, you know, in your city, you know, the more you speak, the better you're going to get. So that's number one. Okay. And I think um, the other thing that I thought about just as a presenter is I think today's audiences are really looking more for how to's and implementable action ideas as opposed to strategy and theory. And I think, I think we could do a lot more with strategy and theory in the past. And now at least what I'm finding successful is that if they walk away with two or three ideas that they feel they can immediately implement to make an impact in their company, then, um, then that's a really well-received presentation. Good observation. I think that's uh, one we could all benefit from. Uh, I was at a NSA meeting with Lois Kramer and she said, if she hears about one more motivational speaker, she was going to puke. <laughs> but she said, what people want to hear is content and it's the how to, and basically getting at the point of practical stuff. That's what yeah. people want today. So that's it. Yeah. Tactical and practical. And then, but also your delivery and how inspired, maybe not motivational, but how inspiring, how, how funny, you know, if you're not funny, but can you be inspiring and tell stories? So it's the way you wrapped you wrap that tactical and practical information is really important. Yeah, you can deliver your great content motivationally or in, in yeah. funny ways, but it is about that content, absolutely. Right. Well, Donna, thank you very much. This has been great. And as we like to say to our listeners, we'll see you on the stage. Wonderful, thank you. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about why saying less is more. Speakers are experts, or at least that's what the audience thinks by the mere fact that they're on stage sharing. Well, experts have lots to share, but speakers, experts, should resist the urge to cram every detail and point into a talk. You have more to share. That's always going to be the case, but giving a clear and concise point that can be remembered and repeated is of greater value to an audience than being hammered with a steady stream of consciousness crammed into one hour. Less is more. It's far better to have a host ask you back to cover more material than to be asked to stop or thank for your uh, expertise as eyes roll and minds are blown by your high-level flood of information. Don't show up and throw up. Find your core message and drive it home in a way the audience can appreciate. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. One of the goals of having a short podcast is to deliver a core message you will remember and can apply to your speaking business. On our next K5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Tim Moore, an accomplished author and speaker who enlightens and entertains on the topic of generational differences. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to key5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five, podcast.com. And be sure to download the speaking tips available there. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com.
Hey, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking around. I have one quick request. If you like the show, it would mean a whole lot if you left a review over in the iTunes store. This actually helps others find the show. So thanks in advance, and I'll talk to you next time.